uh, we are in the midst of a series called You Deserve It All. And, and uh, the title of this series is, is a great phrase uh, to describe the response of the church to the, the head of the church, to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, you deserve all that we have. You, you are worthy of all of honor that we could bestow upon you, of all the praise and worship that we could bring you. You deserve it all. Uh, there, there is no one like you. Uh, all of our attention, all of our affection, all of our devotion, you, you are worthy of it. And so we have, again, the privilege of just bringing that to him uh, today together. And so it's a beautiful thing uh, that we get to do uh, as being a part of the church. And this series is specifically uh, relating to finances. Every couple of years, we do a, at least a two or three week series on, on our finances and our resources and how biblically we are to handle those. And we talk through the freedom that God wants to bring us in the area of our finances. And one of the reasons we, we do that on a regular basis is because of the emphasis that it had in the ministry of Jesus. Like I said last week, there, there's only one other thing that Jesus talked about more than he talked about our finances and resources, and that was the kingdom of God that was at hand, that he was ushering in. And I believe the, the reason for that is because uh, how, uh, how linked it is to our, our hearts to our, our emotions are kind of tied to our resources and finances and how we're doing and if we're gonna make it. And uh, that's where a lot of stress and anxiety can come from for many people. And so Jesus, as it were, was always going after the things of the heart. And, and so that led him, I, I believe, to talking much about how we handle and think about our resources. One of the other things I shared last week was just kind of a, a personal family update on the, the finances of the church as we're, we're in a, a, a difficult season of, as a church in the area of finances. And so we just talked a little bit through that and, and what that looked like, what that meant for us and how we needed God to, to show up and, uh, and some of the ways we were responding. And, and so if you're a part of this church family and weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to, to take a moment and, and listen to that update last week. Week. But the thing I wanted to say about it is that uh, we had announced that we had a, a meeting this past Monday that we just invited anybody to come to. And in that meeting, we were going to have the first half an hour talking a little bit more uh, on the details that we didn't have time to, to speak of on Sunday morning. But just in an effort to be transparent, say, hey, here's where we are. Here's the numbers. Here's how we believe that we got here. And here's the path that we feel like God's giving us uh, forward. And to spend the last half hour uh, praying. We also had a Q&A in there. And so we... Uh, so we got to share some of those things, had some great questions, and we're just able to, to hopefully give even clearer explanation. And, and um, it, it, some of you might imagine, maybe you've been in similar situations where you're, you're leading something and you have to come in and it's, it's like not the kind of meeting that you're excited about leading, right? Like you, you're, you get excited about leading the kind of meeting. It's like, we're doing great. We've come above and beyond. Like when we were raising the, the first amount of money for this building and it came in miraculously, that was a fun meeting, right? Because everybody stands up and they applaud and everything like this. This meeting, that's not as a leader how you're feeling. You're, you're feeling a little anxious. 
you're feeling a little bit like, hey, I got what, what, what are, how can we just be real clear and how can we go through this and what are people gonna think, right? That's just the, the human emotion of it. So not super excited about the meeting. I, I didn't think anybody was gonna be super mean or anything, but I just was like, okay, I'm ready for this meeting to be behind me, okay? So that was just the honest emotion of it, going into that meeting as we were working on it and just like working through, hey, how can we do this and, and, and make it as clear as possible? And so we did that. Again, there's some just great questions that were asked. About 50 people had, had gathered over in the multi-purpose room. And, uh, and, and then we began just, uh, you know, we had the Q&A. It, it came kind of the, the Q&O, which was, which was awesome, actually. It was a Q&A into O, meaning opinion, like the, the, the opinions, you know? And, but, but it was so cool. It, it was really, maybe better would be Q&T, like testify. People just begin to kind of testify. Like, and, um, and as you might imagine, no indictment on the younger generation, but, um, but there was a, a lot of our more veteran people in the, in the room because they carry that and they carry a testimony. And there was a lot of young people in the room too. They were just showed up a little later, um, uh, but, <laughs> the, but, they, uh, but the, it was so cool to, to hear the testimonies of like, hey, we, you know, we've, been in, we've been in church for 40, 50 years and we've, we've, we've been through tough times before. Like we, it was not the first meeting like this. This is my first meeting like this. So I'm like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, how are people going to respond? And they're like, this is not the first meeting that we've been in like this. We've been through tough times before and God has always shown himself to be faithful. And I'm like, amen. Amen. I like that. And then others just pray, like we began praying, like praying in just a, a fresh conviction on the church, especially in our day and age of, of the tithe and like praying it in because they believe it and they've seen the faithfulness of God when they've given their, their tithe, even when they didn't have much. And then it led into uh, someone just speaking of, of the, the joy of being able to sacrifice for God because he sacrificed so much for us. Uh, had someone else actually saying like, I'm actually kind of excited because God's doing so many wonderful things in this church. I just feel like the enemy is trying to come against it and distract us, but God is gonna overcome and do even greater things. And so just literally testifying. And then that was all before the prayer time. And then people just begin to pray out faith-filled prayers. Um, um, of, of God's, God's provision. Uh, one, one person was just crying, so just even in repentance saying, we've felt the constraint in our family and, and we've held back a little bit. And I repent, God, like we wanna, wanna give. We had a, a woman crying and praying over our, our staff and the difficulty it must be to lead through this time. And I'm like weeping. And so it, I leave this place and I am, I mean, and it, as it should be, right? That the people of God gather and we get our eyes, not, we, we face the reality. It's not like we don't say, hey, there's not something that we need to deal with. But in the end, we get our eyes on God and we leave filled with faith. That's just not what I was expecting. In all honesty, coming from that meeting, I was expecting, like, whew, I'm glad, I'm glad that's over. Like I feel a little less anxious now, but I left that meeting filled with greater faith uh, at what God is doing, what he's up to, encouraged by the people of God. And so I just was like, man, there, there is a testimony of that as, as we continue to move forward. Uh, there's a testimony of what, uh, as I mentioned last week that we're gonna be talking about today, and that is God as our provider. He's our provider. 
And um, one of the reasons that we decided a while back to make this one of the messages in this series is because we are hearing and was hearing even more so last week, praying with people that are struggling in their own business, in their own finances, that it's a, it's a strain that not only the church at large is feeling, but we as individuals who make up the church are feeling, which makes sense. And, and so we just felt like, man, there's a word for us on God who is our provider. And as I got into it this week, is just doing a little more study on uh, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, I, I was actually convicted. I was like, God, I don't know that we've ever fully done a study in, in this way uh, on this particular aspect of, of your nature and character and allowed that to produce the fruit uh, that you so desire it to produce. So I'm excited about what God wants to give us today through the revelation of Jehovah Jireh. All right, and so go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, we're gonna be reading verses one through 14. It's the story of a man named Abraham and his son Isaac. And um, what we're gonna do, I'm gonna try this, uh, instead of reading it all the way through, um, because it's a little lengthy, I'm just gonna go through it from the beginning um, kind of verse by verse here. Um, and as we begin, like I said, it's a story about a, a man named Abraham. Abraham is recognized in the New Testament as the father of faith, the, the one who God called to, to, to be his and to, the, through whom he would make a nation. And so he's the, the father of Israel, the father of faith. And so uh, this is Abraham and this is early as he's journeying with God and learning about who God is. And so I just wanna begin this story and we're gonna pause quite often here to make some observations along the way uh, as, we, as we drill down ultimately to uh, the, the, the revelation as God, uh, of God as provider. But I believe there's some things along the way that we might pick up uh, that God may wanna speak to us about uh, through the story. And so as best we can, and I love doing this, uh, particularly with narratives in the Bible, and that is to place ourselves in the shoes of the characters, as though we're right there walking with God and feeling the emotion that, that would have been felt in that scenario, uh, as best we can trying to understand what that must have been like to hear from God in that way, to, to experience God in this way. And so as best you can with me this morning, let's just enter into that place so that we can receive uh, as fully as we can from, from what God has to say to us today. So it begins, verse one, sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here am I, he replied. And so th this is a little bit of a side note, but I've, I've often just paused here, just personally. And I've asked myself the question, am I so sensitive to the voice of God. In, in the same way that maybe I would recognize the, the voice of my own dad in a crowd calling my name. Like, oh, my dad's here. He's calling my, I, hear, I hear him calling my name, even though there's a lot of noise in the room. With all the noise in, in our world, in our lives, have we come to a place of, of practicing hearing God's voice, of knowing what he sounds like, of drawing near to him, that even amongst the noise of the world, that we hear him call our name, Travis. To the degree as Abraham immediately responds, 
here I am. Here I am. I think there's a, there's a place in me where, where that's become a, a prayer at times in my life. Like, I just want to be so sensitive to your voice. And I, and I want to clear out enough of the noise and the distraction in my life that I can be attentive enough and sensitive enough to the voice of God that when you say my name, I, I am not only hearing you, but as Abraham uh, responds, I, I respond with a, a place of willingness. That, that's, that's, what, that's what I hear. I, I hear I'm available. Here I am. Not like, what do you want? Not like, oh no, what are you gonna say this time? Not, not, not even just like, a, is that you? Is that not you? But just, here I am. I'm available. What's on your heart, God? I love when you say my name. Here, here I am, would, would you speak? And, and I believe because God immediately then speaks to him and, and gives him a word of instruction that God finds the same heart within Abraham. Because what I found over the years is that God loves to speak to those who have a tender and soft heart before him that are ready to receive the word of instruction that he would give or the leading that he would give. Uh, and so, so it is that he finds in Abraham a heart ready to receive, that hears his voice, is ready to receive. And then Abraham receives a really difficult assignment. It says in verse two, uh, God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. So a couple of things I wanna say about this verse before we move on. And the first thing is this, because it's a, it's a bit of a strange command for us who know God as, as one who is good and loving and kind. And so this kind of instruction, this kind of assignment is kind of like, what? What, what, was, what was that God? And I'd also say this, um, if, if as we learn to be a people that hear the voice of God and are attentive to him, one of the, the ways that we discern the voice of God is by the word of God, that there would not be things outside of the word of God, that we, if, it, if it's contrary to the word of God, then we know that it's not, it is not the counsel of God, it's not the voice of God. And so we use this as a plumb line. And so uh, that's why we look at this story and like, wait, what? Like God would never speak that. And so I will say the same thing to you. God will never speak this to you. Praise God that, that that's not his character, his nature. Um, Abraham does not yet have the counsel of scripture. He does not yet have the Mosaic law. The 10 commandments have not yet been written. And so what we find in Abraham is he's learning the character and nature of God. We see other places in the Old Testament uh, where, where child sacrifice was a part of their religious system. That might've been something that even Abraham was aware of. So it's like, well, is this a part of it? Because he's still learning to know and come to know that the nature and character of God. And so it provided for Abraham an opportunity to learn, but also as it says here, uh, to be tested by God. And, and so he finds himself in this situation um, with this very difficult assignment. And what provides even greater difficulty is the fact that not only was this his son, which is difficult enough, 
But as we read back on the history of Abraham, we realize that, uh, that there was a, a promise that was given by God uh, of, an in, of, an, of an inheritance of a son that would come, an offspring that would come so that God could make Abraham into a great nation. The promise uh, was said that your, your offspring will be as many as the number of sand on the seashore, the number of skies, uh, stars in the sky, right? And so it was this big promise. And yet uh, Abraham and Sarah, his wife, were unable to have children. And so it wasn't until 25 years after that promise was initially given that, a, that, that Isaac came along. Okay, again, we're, we're entering in here, a promise given, hope, like really God? We've struggled for so long with this. God, God really, this is amazing. And, and, but I'm 75, you better hurry up. Hey, like, but, but any day now, God's spoken it. This is what he's going to do. And then 25 long years later before that promise is received. And when we read their story, there's a lots of up and downs in that story. There's doubt mixed with faith, mixed with their own decisions along the way. And yet in the end, they were able to hold on uh, to, to the promise of God. And now here we are about uh, it's approximately about 12 years. Probably Isaac is about 11 or 12 years old. Um, and so here we are 10 to 12 years after. And he gets this word. It's like, wait, what God? Like, wait, did, did, we waited for you. Wow, God, wait, I don't get it, right? Like 37 years ago, you spoke this word. We waited 25 years. Finally, we were given this. We've been rejoicing. He's 12 years old. He's about to enter into kind of manhood. And we're seeing the horizon of the generations beginning to spread and the, a nation being developed. And, and I'm supposed to do what? And so we, we begin to just imagine what that would have felt like. What that, would have, what that would have been like. And, and yet it says in verse three that early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. He, he cut enough wood for the burnt offering and he set out for the place that God told him about. Can I just tell you the amount of dilemma that I can have around something that God speaks that's of far, far, far less consequence than this, where I'm like, oh, is that really God? Like, uh, I don't know, like it may be, maybe not. I don't know, let me pray about it. And uh, then I eventually forget about it. Then God brings it back up and I pray about it and forget about it again. And that kind of just eventually, maybe I feel enough conviction to go, pray for my coworker, you know? And it's like, like uh, that, that was probably God from the beginning. And, and, and so it's really, really impressive to hear that early the next morning. And when I hear that, I hear without hesitation, with, without delay, at, at one of the most costly things, maybe the most costly thing that God could have spoken to Abraham and early the next morning, he gets up, he gathers the supplies, he, he pre prepares, and he sets out. It's, it's an incredible thing. And then from there, it says in verse four that on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So this is not a short journey. 
this was a, a three-day journey, approximated to be about 50-mile journey for, for these guys who were traveling to the area of Moriah. And when I try to imagine that journey, I imagine the worst journey ever. That's what I imagine. I imagine, I imagine bitterness of soul, just like the, 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 the weeping of the soul, the, 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 the wrestle with God, like with every step, God, you know, getting closer to the place of, of having to, to sacrifice my son, my one and only son, Un, unimaginable. And every step I'm getting closer to, to that destination. And we learn a little bit about that, that wrestle in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, I'm sorry, in Hebrews chapter 11, in the, where it's talking about the different men and women of faith in the Bible. It says in verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And so you would hear this reasoning like, okay. And I, and I believe it, 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 it I, I see it beginning with God. Is there any other way? Is there any other way, God? As we're getting closer and closer, God, there's, there must be another. What if I give myself up, God? I would, I, you know, there, there's, what if, I, what, if, what if I give myself up to you? I offer up myself as a sacrifice. It'd be better than my son. Lord, is there, is there anything that we can do? I'll give you everything that I have. I'll sell it all. We can start over. God, anything else besides this. But he feels that the kind and gentle and faithful whisper of God to keep going to that place. And in the end, we're told that Abraham reasons that, okay, even if we go to this place and I have to go through with this act, God can raise the dead. Because what he came to, to believe is that Isaac was the promised child that God had, had given him and proven his faithfulness for those 25 years uh, that we were past childbearing age. This was God. And so I believe the promises that are to come are yes and amen. And so God, if, if, if I'm gonna sacrifice him, then surely you're gonna raise him from the dead because I believe that you are a faithful God and you are true to your promises. And so that's what he holds on to. He holds on to the promises of God and the, the, the character of God that had been revealed to him up to that point. And that's specifically the faithfulness of God who is true to his promises. And so he's making this track, trek to this mountain. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in a distance. God had said, go to the, the area of Moriah. And when you get there, I'm gonna show you a hill. He sees the hill and he says um, to, to, to his servants, Stay here with the donkey in verse five, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the, the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, 
The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And might we imagine how this would have seared the heart of a father? Up to this point, we've been talking about the dialogue with, with God in the, in the faith journey, but now his 11, 12-year-old son walks, walking beside him, looks up, says, Dad, aren't we missing something? Like, when we do this, we, we bring a lamb and we, we sacrifice it. And Abraham, clinging to the promise of God, says, Son, God himself, God himself is going to provide the lamb. God, you've got to provide the lamb. God himself is going to provide what we need. And the two of them went on together. And I just believe that God led Abraham to a place where he is laying every, every bit of who he is on the line. Like, I am staking my life upon your faithfulness, God. And you, that you are a God who is good, and you are a God who has been faithful, and I, and I believe you will continue to be faithful to me. But I'm staking my, my life, what, what's worse, my son's life, and all, all of the, the future generations of my family, all the promises of God, all the dreams that you've put in my heart. I'm laying it all on the line right now, God. And it's either you come through, or, or I'm, I'm done, I, I'm finished. I don't, even, I don't even know how I will get back uh, uh, down off this mountain. And so he's saying to his son by faith, God will provide, God himself, he's gonna come and he's gonna provide a lamb. There's a heart-wrenching journey that's necessary for knowing different elements of the character of God. And so here they are in verse nine, and they've reached the place it says that God had told them about, and Abraham built an altar there. He arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Now, now here's a time where you're going to want to have practiced hearing the voice of God, right? Like quickly, like, and here, now, now he's even more anxious, eager to like, here I am, God. Yes, what? Yes, say it. Don't touch the boy. Don't, don't lay a hand on him, right? Don't, don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham, now I know there is nothing that you will withhold from me. This is the most precious thing. This is the, the hardest thing that could have been asked for you in, in all of your, your existence. And you did not withhold even your own son from me, but reckoned that I would even bring him back to life if you had to do that. And then it says that Abraham looked up in verse 13. And there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns and he went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, 
It is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Some of you today uh, are being beckoned to the mountain of the Lord because you're in a place of strain. You're, you're in a place of hardship. You're, you're in a place that's caused a lot of anxiety. There's single parents in the room that don't know how they're going to make it to the end of the month. There, there's, there's those in the room that have lost jobs. Hours have been... I, we, we, we know this is happening. And what God is doing is he's, he's beckoning us all. Even as the church is going through this struggle, he's beckoning us to the mountain to come and meet with him and know that he is the Lord that provides. He's, he's inviting us to that, that place, and it's, it, it's um, when, when we read this, this uh, Jehovah Jireh, um, there's even a, a greater understanding that I think that we can have from this. Not only is it just this, this God who provides and that, you know, adds money to the bank account when I need it. It's like, oh, thanks God for showing up at the last minute. No, there's, it's, it's, not, it's not transactional in, in that way. It's, it's deeply relational. Um, this idea of God will provide, it, it can also be translated, he will see to it. And uh, it's not a phrase that we use a lot. My grandpa used it a lot. Uh, he's like, you better see to it, boy. I'm like, and when he said that, you know, you better, you better do it. And if he ever said he would see to it, you know, it would be done, um, that he would make sure that it would happen. And so in that way, it's just this, this affirmation um, that, that he is a provider, but he will see to it. It's very similar uh, to uh, another Hebrew name of God that's used in Genesis 16, the God who sees, the God who sees, the God who perceives. And so he, he sees, he perceives what it is that we're going through and walking through. He knows our need and, and he shows up in that place as Jehovah Jireh. And in that way, it's very personal. It's deeply personal. In the way that he shows up and he wants to become our provider in that way. He wants to become the one that, that we look to. And can I just, just make this note before we kind of bring it home? This is not only the testimony of Abraham that he has been faithful but now this, this story of the faithful provider is our story if you are a believer in Jesus because this story is the, the, the best place of foreshadowing, the most clear place of foreshadowing in all of the Old Testament at, at what is to come. And, and that is that, that we would deserve death, that, that we are the ones that should have died. And yet instead of us, there was a lamb that was provided in our stead, that, that Jesus was, was the sacrificial lamb that was provided by God miraculously when we were the ones that should have experienced that death, the ones that uh, deserved to be separated uh, from God because of our sin, but because of his great love for us. Um, for those who said, God, we trust you. We place our trust in you. We will follow you. There is nothing we will withhold from you. He says, I'm gonna give you a sacrificial lamb, a sacrificial lamb so that you can know the provision of God. For I so love the world 
that, I, um, he's, he, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, will, will no longer perish, but experience eternal life. And so thank you, Jesus. Our story, our testimony already is the provision of God. And we want to allow that to impact every area of, of our life. And, and specifically, as we, as we kind of take a moment to, to hone in, even on our finances, the thing that kind of hits so near and dear to the heart so often. Let me say it this way. Well, let Paul say it this way. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Meaning, if God was willing to, to give up the, the most precious commodity, if you will, that, that he had, his infinitely worthy son, whom he loved and had lived with in perfect unity for all eternity past up to, to the, the very present, was able to give him up for us. Will he not also provide you with everything that you need? It's a great question. And it's rhetorical, by the way, <laughs> but still a great, a great question. Because the answer is, of course he will. If the greatest need that we've ever had in life was not a financial need, it was not a relational need, it was our sentencing unto death because of our sin. It was a grace need. It was a justification need and he gave at great expense everything we needed to experience his provision in that moment. At the moment that we deserve death, he provided a sacrificial lamb so that we could be set free and that we could walk down the mountain and testify to who he is and all that he's done in our lives. And so if he's done that, will he not also meet you in your place of need that you're experiencing today? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And he will be a God that comforts you. Can I just say this? $2 is no different than $200,000 to God. $10 no different than $10 million to God. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're needing one of these amounts. It's no different for God to be able to come up with $10 to put in your pocket as it is for him to come up with $10 million to put in your pocket. For him, it's all the same. It doesn't matter. That, that's easy. I can, I can do that. I can bring that to you. And you're like, wait, what? Well, I had this revelation pretty amazingly. Um, one of the first times I, I, I was in Indonesia and one of the things that we did on this trip is over 15 years ago, but I remember it so vividly. Uh, we had got sent out in pairs uh, to go into different villages and we would uh, go with some, some young Bible students who were going and doing kind of outreach in different, these villages. And, uh, and there, in the village that I was in had a, a church that had begun, just a, you know, a handful of members and, uh, that were a part of this church. And they were meeting in the, in the house of the pastor that had a, a pretty good sized room, um, but they were beginning to experience quite a bit of persecution. And one of the ways they were experiencing persecution was through uh, the, their, their landlord threatening them and not allowing them to meet at different times or having different things go on that would prevent them or, uh, and, and he would uh, threaten them with different things. And they were like, we feel, they're again feeling very unsafe there and very uh, feeling like, God, you gotta give us a new home. 
Well, they had found a, a property, a, a place that would, that would be able to house them where they could meet together and they were believing God. They felt like God had, had said, this is the place I'm gonna give you. And they were rallying to it. And while we were there, they were in the midst and had been for a, a while, several months, just believing for God, crying out to him. And I didn't need to understand the language to, to feel the emotion in that room of God, you know, God come, God do what only you can do. God, make a way for us. God, we're, 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 we're experiencing this and, and we're gonna continue to press on, but we believe you've said this, will you do it? And they had made these pamphlets and prayer cards and different things and they gave them to us and like, believe with us and pray for us for what God wants to do in all of these things. And we're right in there with them. And so we're like believing with them and, and praying for them. And, uh, and I, I remember being on the bus ride back and, and kind of reading through some of the things that they, that they were um, some of the, the material that they had printed up to try to just promote giving. And as I'm, I'm reading through it, I see the number there that they're believing to raise. And I, I, I and you know, a dollar is like 1.2 million rupee or whatever the things are of this. So it's not like super easily calculable on the moment, but you're like, okay, what is, and I begin to calculate it and, and it was right around $11,000. I was like, wait, what? Like I could, I could, I could almost give that, like, I, probably not quite, but I could make a phone call and, and together a couple of us could, we could, we could do that, like that. And, and here is a people, right? $11,000, like that's like, okay, we, we could, if we heard that story, I could, we could put an offering basket right here and we'd have double that. Like, yeah, what, yes, let's help, let's, let's, let's make a way, right? And yet here they are, believe it. It just showed me the economy of God, like God could do that in a moment. Sometimes we get overwhelmed. I mentioned 10 million and everybody's like, whoa, 10 million, that's, that's, that's a good amount of money. But to God, like, again, to God, it really is. It's, it's like the 11,000 for, for, like, for, for, for me being able to say like, of course God, yes, God can do that. In, in a heartbeat, he can do that. With one quarter of a person, he could do that. The, the thing is this, it's not that God is withholding. It's not that, that God is, is, has not given them a promise. There's something that he's wanting to do in them as a people, in us as a people, to know him as Jehovah Jireh. And, and see, Abraham has always, he's been blessed. Abraham was actually pretty well off compared to others in, in, that, in that time period. He had plenty of sheep and goats and cattle and, uh, and, and these types of things. He had, he had a lot of, he had servants and, and what have you. And so he was well off. He had known the, the provision of God in that way, but he had never known the, the place of desperation and longing where if God doesn't come through, what am I going to do? Uh, he had maybe even in some ways come to rely on those things in the same way that we come to rely on a, on, a, on a job to be our provider and miss the true understanding that God is our ultimate provider. He uses our job as a means to providing for us. But the minute we begin looking to this thing, then we are tied to that job. And we, we could never leave this job. Like, no, I, I can't, or I can't take this other job. It doesn't pay enough, or I, I could never like sell it all and go be a missionary. Like we have people in the room today. Like I can't do that because I'm tied to this because th this is my financial provision. And God's wanting to bring us to places of saying, no, I mean, yes, I use that, but I am your provider. Yeah. Like there, there's nowhere that you can go. There's no situation that you can find yourself in that you won't have the provision of God at hand for you. And so it's a beautiful thing that in the end causes greater levels of freedom in our heart. Again, why? Because we're not tied to the job. We're not tied to like, oh, I got to do this or I better get this bonus or I better da, 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 da. Like, it's like, he is my provider. 
and I'm gonna trust him, I'm gonna follow him, I'm gonna live simply in the ways that he leads me to simply live. I don't wanna, I'm not gonna live a life in debt, what trying to get more than I actually have the means to pay, and I'm gonna actually leave some margin for giving and for sending out missionary, you know, all these things. It's like, actually, I wanna live with God in this way, and he is the, the owner of all things. And everything that I have is from him because he's my provider, and I trust in him and him alone. And so I'm not shaken by, by the world, which at times shakes, as we know from, from the past few years that we, we've, we've lived, right? Like the, the world can shake and people can be shaken. And in those moments, they're, they're, the, actually people are looking uh, for, for stability and they, they, they need to find it in the people of God in this particular way in knowing that there's a God who provides for me. And it is not the stability of my work, of, of our economy, of anything else, but I serve a God who provides and I have peace through the storms of this life and through the ups and downs. And I can stand and say like several did at that meeting uh, Monday night, like we've been here before and God has always been faithful. And, and, and here we are today. And he is, we've always had everything that we need because he is able and we go with him on the journey because we believe that more so than always wanting to be fully blessed financially and have everything that we need, we wanna actually come to know him as provider. And that is better to be, have the revelation of the character of God and to know him and walk with him in that way. That's better than always having all my needs met in just the way that I would want them to be met. And so God leads us there because he cares for us and he wants to bring us a more solid foundation more great, greater faith and freedom in our hearts. And so let me pray. So let me pray. Yes, God, I, I just, I, I believe, actually, will you just stand with me? We're just gonna just kind of move right into response here. Um, I, I believe that there are... Um, There are many in this room that right, right now, there's, there's something resonating. Like I just, I need to know him as provider. I, I, need, I need help. I fe I'm feeling strain. I, I'm feeling some of that uh, anxiety. And I believe that God wants to just show up in, in the midst of that, in, in this moment, in, in the unknown of the future in not knowing how it's all going to work out, in, in the things that are bringing anxiety as you, like, like Abraham, are walking forward and trying to walk with God, but there, there's anxiety in you. I believe that there is a, a peace that God wants to bring into this room that deeply impacts your heart. A revelation of Jehovah Jireh, a God who provides the God who sees and, and perceives and meets you in that place with the exact thing that you need. And if that's you, I just wanna go ahead and just say the front is open. I, I just, for us, the time of response is a, a very significant time. And one of the things that we do is we just invite people up here to the front and just to say, God, here I am. And we found that sometimes it's just the moving out of our seat and moving forward into God, it, it allows a, a place of a response to happen in our hearts as we respond to what God's doing. So if God's beginning to stir you at any time, you can come on down here. 
Also, our ministry team, you guys come on down. They're gonna be up here at the front. And if you have a, a prayer need, if you need prayer for anything, um, I wanna encourage you today to come and to receive prayer. Our God is a God who answers prayer. And as the church, we are called to bear one another's burdens. So it's good to come and just share a place of need so that we can uh, carry that burden in prayer together. And finally, there may be, again, some of those that need to receive the comfort of God, the peace of God as Jehovah Jireh in the, in the midst, of, your, uh, the midst of, of, of what you're going through. There might uh, be others that um, are coming to a fresh revelation of Jehovah Jireh that's causing you to, to reorient the way that you think about uh, your, your, your finances. And there's a place for you to say, God, all, again, all I have is yours. You are my provider. You're the one who has resourced anything and everything I have, and, and I, I want to recognize you in that way. There may be places of repentance where we have kind of tried to, to store up or hold on to or recognize or look to other things as our provision, and we just come and we say, God, I just want to repent for looking to other things and other sources as my place of provision rather than understanding and acknowledging that you are a good provider. And so let's not leave this place today without responding to Jehovah Jireh in whatever way he may be leading you to do so.